RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. This is Reality Check Radio. You remember recently we had Catherine Rich on the program. And about a month ago, Catherine joined us to talk about the lessons that we should have learnt or should be learning from the COVID pandemic, both human and economic. And um, you mentioned um, while we were chatting after that interview that you would like to come back on if you had a, a chance to talk about aged care because you'd had a kind of insight into that. And uh, I think you are the acting, what, CEO of the Aged Care Association or the head of it at the moment, acting. That's so, right. So what have you got to say then about aged care? I know you're concerned about it. So where do you want to start on that? Well, before I started this role, I had a bit of an idea about aged age care, but I absolutely had no idea how chronic the current situation is in terms of underfunding of the sector and the fact that many aged care facilities are closing their doors because they can't make ends meet. I've been really appalled by the amount of funding that Te Whata Ora offers to aged care providers, many of whom are mum and dad providers or or from the charitable sector, including the large corporates. But you would be surprised, Paul, to know that if you sign up to an aged care contract to deliver these really important services, at best you might break even, but more often than not, you will be, you will be making a loss each and every day. So like a lot of things in economics, price signals matter. So it's no wonder that you see many facilities closing their doors A 1,000 just in the last year closed their doors permanently and a further 1,200 closed temporarily because they couldn't get nurses. So on average, you mentioned 1,000 permanently, 1,200 temporarily. How many um, aged people would they have in care usually? in a? a Well, there are about 40,000 beds up and down New Zealand. They're they're Mm. all um, uh, the Ministry of Health got out of funding their own beds um, many, many years ago because they just couldn't make it work. So it's mainly in the public and, and um, private sector held by mum and dad, small businesses, uh, the charitable sector like Presbyterian support and the corporates who have retirement villages with a hospital attached. I will say there are different sorts of aged care. Um, there's not just rest homes, but dementia units, uh, hospital level care and psychogeriatric care. So there are different sorts, but each and every one of the categories is woefully underfunded. You know, by about 2040, we need 80,000 beds for um, the growing Sorry, number. 80,000? 80,000? It's a lot. For the growing number of New Zealanders who are going to be over the age of 80, particularly 85. And Tafata Ora predicts that we're probably only going to have around 33,000. So what that means is uh, for families, immense stress trying to work out where they can support their family members if they've had a fall, if they become frail and sick. Um, Looking around may have to look at options outside their own towns and regions, which is very disheartening for elderly folk who've lived their life in a particular town. And um, I mean, but already we're we're seeing this. There are parts of New Zealand where it's very hard to find a room in a in a care home, particularly hospital level care, 
because of the number of, of closures. And I've spoken to a number of aged care providers in the last few weeks who are teetering on the brink. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to issue contracts where the provider makes a loss. These are core government services. They absolutely, um, our, our older New Zealanders absolutely deserve to be treated with dignity and respect if they need that level care. But if they can't get it in the community, they're going to go to the public hospital. So that's why you're seeing emergency department waiting times, patients in the corridor, elective surgeries cancelled because older New Zealanders are blocking beds because there are no spaces in the community because we've closed the doors. I'm just thinking of the $500 million spent on rat tests. That would have paid for a few beds. That's another story. In fact, um, that would be almost all it would take to to fully fund the contracts to provide this level of care. It's utterly appalling, I think, uh, to see sometimes the inertia in Wellington to be able to deal with, with what is a clear problem coming down the pipeline. Any service that's linked to the population is easy to predict because you can look at the numbers and you can say, well, we need to support that that number. But here in Wellington, uh, particularly Te Whatu Ora and the Ministry of Health, I can tell you they have no plan. There is no plan. Sorry, no plan. No plan to deal with the growing numbers apart from issuing their piecemeal contracts where providers make a loss and expecting them to to continue with providing the service. Um, well, they seem to be pretty proactive in other areas, um, uh, almost uh, to a level of brutality. Okay, so there's that, but also there, there are workforce issues I, I'm predicting as well. You're absolutely right, Paul. There are workforce issues, and in particular, there is a there is a, a – There's global competition for registered nurses. We see that in the public hospitals. But uh, aged care nurses earn a lot less than the public hospital nurses. And even in the last few days, you might have seen the historic pay equity case for nurses in the public hospital. Many might be surprised to know that aged care nurses were not included in that so that you have a pay gap widening which makes it just that much harder to recruit nurses into aged care. We have around 1,200 vacancies in our sector right now. We can't find the nurses and not including the aged care nurses in that pay equity. I I take it that the the mandate still exists for those jobs, does it? Because that's not going to be very helpful, is it? I'm actually not sure about that, Paul. Um, Yeah. Okay, well, maybe we should check up on that. But that would seem illogical given to maintain. I mean, plenty of people have opinions on that, but just purely on the numbers, it would be crazy yes. if, if it is I the mean, case. our sector is, is nurse-led, and, uh, you know, the amount of care and the miracles that they do every day is just um, awe-inspiring um, for a newcomer like myself to see. But... It's hard, hard work, and they deserve to be paid the same. So I was quite glad to see the nurses' organisation say they wouldn't rest until there was pay parity because they absolutely deserve it. Well, they could have all got together and said, look, we're not going to take it until we've got it across the board. They could have done that. Well, it was historic for nurses to uh, have those pay pay differences recognised. In New Zealand, as we know, 
a lot of things happen incrementally, but absolutely aged care nurses must be part of that. So I was pleased for the public hospital yeah, nurses. I'm sure everybody. But for us, it just made it that much harder. Everybody's pleased, but, um, you know, a bit of solidarity there. Okay, so this sounds like it's um, it's going to take someone, some mover or shaker somewhere at some high level to really start sort of thumping the table and and persuading someone that we've got to, I wouldn't, wouldn't call it taking a hit, but we've got to spend the money and we've got to do a lot of catch up. Otherwise, people are going to really suffer. We do need to spend some money and, and ensure that there is catch up. You're right about that. Because the aged care contracts don't cover us um, costs sufficiently to cover basic things like repairs and maintenance. And unfortunately, a lot of the standard rooms, which require no additional payments, which New Zealanders who are on the super just on the super rely on um, are getting older um, and, and need refurbishment, need repairs, need maintenance. So that's why I'm concerned about even more closures. But you're you're right. It needs some political leadership. It needs a minister and a cabinet to be able to say, let's look out beyond the the, the latest electoral cycle. Let's plan for this. We know it's coming. It's the, the moral thing to do. Let's prepare. And so that's why it is also important for parties to, to consider aged care in their, in their manifestos. Maybe also families should start. I, 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 get, I know that beyond a certain level, it's difficult for families. There are medical dementia or all sorts of issues. But maybe kind of going back to the old fashioned way of accommodating our elderly family members for as long as we can in the home and look after them like we. I guess used to do. It is an area where families matter absolutely, and families um, mostly work incredibly hard to support their their parents and grandparents as they go through the the final stages of life. But sometimes it gets beyond many families, particularly if you have one, um, family members who are very frail and very sick. Yep. Let's face it; everybody wants to age at home. No one re- really wants to end up in a resident residential aged care facility. But it does happen, and interestingly, there are some people who who go into well-run, managed aged care, who eat well, get their medications, get a bit of social activity, and actually have a bit of a bump. Yeah, um, thrive. Yeah, and and start to um, enjoy life again. But regardless of whether it's residential aged care or care in the community, it is woefully under-resourced. The funding is chronic, and that's why we're seeing an aged care crisis. And this affects the average person, right? The the average retired person on their super. If you've got money, you're okay. You can afford to pay for this. This is what troubles me as a citizen and not just as the CEO of the Aged Care Association, but we are developing a two-tier system of haves and have-nots. And I think that- Well, the Prime Minister was a fan of that, the former Prime Minister, so there's no surprise. We we don't want a two-tier system. We want to ensure that every person who gets to over age 80, if they need it, has access to support that allows them to maintain dignity and respect. But um, one of the things that is quite clear is that it needs political attention. It needs some leadership because currently the Ministry of Health officials are incapable of planning for this tsunami of care. Why why do you think they're incapable of it? This is their professional day-to-day activity. It's like me not being able to turn on the mic. 
Well, I, I sometimes look at uh, Te Whatawara emails and I think, crikey, these make scripts of Yes Minister look like very crisp okay. examples of communication. But um, officials won't do anything until a minister and a government says, right, we'd like you to focus on this. And that's what's needed to get some action. Because just issuing loss-making contracts year after year with a little 3% bump here and there is not going to fix the issue because the, the the market price signal sent by those contracts is get out of the business and use your land for any other purpose, you'll, you'll earn more of an income. So the people remaining are ones who are hanging in there because they love it. I, I, we've spoken to one member who hasn't drawn a wage in her mum and dad operation facility uh, for two years because she's wow. hanging on. She's got repairs. She's got maintenance. Um, the, the contracts have been allowed to fall completely out of step with inflation and genuine costs. Okay, then, well, you know, election's coming up and it's probably not going to be the Labour Party that uh, uh, hang in there, I think it's fair to say, on the current polls. So you kind of know who has to be lobbied, probably in the short term anyway, to get something done. What sort of effort can your organisation make? How much punch can you have, given this is a pressure cooker, right? It, it doesn't get any easier. It just gets more and more of a problem. Well, we continue to raise the issues forcefully. We continue to share the data and the figures with ministers, would-be ministers, officials, um, anyone who moves. We will happily tell the story and the, the facts speak for themselves. It's so clear that we're living longer, we're, uh, we're becoming an ageing population, and so we've just got to plan for this because otherwise the, the crisis we will face, we can potentially have the hospital system brought to its knees because if we close another couple of thousand beds, that acute need is still going to be need to be met and those people will end up being in the hospital system at huge expense for longer than they want to be there, but they'll be blocking um, their beds for everybody else. So I would say, Paul, the aged care issue, many people think, oh, well, it's, you know, it's just the over 80s, et cetera, but it actually affects everybody because if the hospital system breaks down and it's, you can't meet the needs it, of everybody It's breaking else. down now, Catherine. It's breaking down now. That's why I would say that the, the crisis for us is very real. And one good example is the Burns Unit here in Wellington. It's supposed to be a specialist facility to deal with um, New Zealanders' burns issues. Um, I understand it has about five burns patients in there, and the rest are elderly people who don't have burns problems. They're just there because there's no, no there are no spaces for them. Right. Um, and residential mm. care. How long do you think you'll stay in this role? <clears throat> well, I must admit um, that the issues really do pull at my heart's strings. Um, the more and more, longer and longer I talk about these issues, the, the more I feel it, it really does need that kind of leadership. But the answer to, to that is um, certainly until the end of, end of October. Okay, I'm just thinking my father, he's 19, he's still at home and he's blind. And isn't that fantastic? Because mm. we're well, not the blind bit, clearly. But well, being I mean, it is home, what it is. Yeah. Being home 
and being in his own environment, that's the ambition for every New Zealander. And there are other parts of the aged care sector that um, I'm sure he's drawing on support from to be able to- No, he is. He is. Yep. Keep him living uh, well and safely. Yeah. Okay, Catherine, interesting. Thanks for giving us some time. Catherine Rich, the Acting Aged Care Association CEO, but maybe for, well, for the foreseeable future anyway. Thanks for updating us on that situation. It's concerning, and I'm sure that's a, a bit for our audience who've got uh, either getting into that age range themselves or have got parents in that age range to to think about. So thanks for coming on RCR again. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.